Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Plowline Podcast. On today's episode, Jerry and I are going to be talking about the journey from fear to love. This is the concept of, of how you can change the world around you, your relationships, your family, um, the wider community, the masks and the disguises that we often live with and wear as we make our way through the world. We're going to dive into subjects like 9-11 and how that event wounded our society deeply. We're going to talk about fear and how to sit with it and not distract ourselves away from it. And we'll once again dive into the evolution of Aloha, where Jerry discusses and demonstrates how the process of Aloha can bring ourselves back to our centers. Jerry's going to dive a little bit into code switching, and then we'll transition over to self-talk and self-dialogue talking about how journaling can be a process for quieting one's mind. We'll end by discussing the power of friendship and where real choice and real free will come into play in our everyday lives. I want to encourage you to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. You can find us at Plowline on all of those mediums. Today's podcast is sponsored to you by Co3 Consulting. Co3 Consulting helps you and your organizations dive deeper into interpersonal relationships and how they can affect the bottom line and the overall health and culture of any organization. Co3 Consulting offers resilience training, bias awareness training, multicultural perspectives, cultural healing, all designed in order to help your organization deepen and develop towards a healthier outcome and culture. Check us out at co3consulting.net. Without further ado, let's get started. And now, welcome to the Plowline Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Valarosa Tanel. Jeremy Tanel. Streaming to you recorded from Seattle, Washington. Here we go. You know what I just thought about as well, too? Huh. In the greeting of our podcast or maybe we need to even write it down somewhere is that we should have a disclaimer that my opinions on this podcast are my own and not the uh, views of my employer because I just feel like sometimes (laughs) sometimes because people know me as a director of equity for you know the school district that I'm working in they 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 would think that what I do outside of work is um, the the views of my employer, and I don't, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you hold any beliefs that you wouldn't that that that, that you wouldn't express at your job? Mm, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So, is it my beliefs that you're worried about? Is it my is it my perspectives you're worried about? Would the disclaimer be better if it said <laughs> my 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 partner's perspectives? don't necessarily reflect that of of my professional <laughs> and personal perspectives something like that yeah 
Well, I think, uh, I think there's a whole bunch of people out there who, um, who are struggling, um, to try and keep up and understand. And, um, and many of these people, uh, traditionally identify and to discard them is, um, unequitable. If we're going to talk about equity, equity, and then it demands us to call in people and not call them out. Let's call out, let's call out those that are doing true evil. Let's call out, let's call out evil. You know, the Harvey Weinsteins of, of the world, but, uh, our managers, our neighbors, um, the people on Facebook, our father-in-laws, um, or mother-in-laws or parents at the Thanksgiving table, um, calling these people out, this, that's, that's not productive. That is not going to get us anywhere, nowhere. And so we have got to find ways in order to dismantle systems from the inside and not try and dismantle them from the outside, which means that groups that feel like they're on the outside have to be welcomed in. And those that are on the inside have to be willing to um, do the work to help achieve the goal of not just dismantling a system, but rebuilding new systems. Right. And I also think that, you know, I mean, if we are going to call out anything, call out the fact that it exists, call out the fact that the very reason that um, we're talking about equity is because there's inequity. That is why we're, that's what, that's what we're doing is that we're calling. But we can't perpetuate inequity. But we cannot perpetuate inequity in the process. And also with sharing of our stories, like if we, you know, if we're calling, um, if we're sharing about um, certain, like I share stories a lot and I share stories and I share personal stories, but the stories that I share is not going, I'm hoping that it's not going to leave, um, leave a negative, a negative taste in anybody's mouth. You know, I mean, it's like if I share, if I share stories about the injustices that I faced or the, um, the conversations that I've had with individuals who, you know, who didn't hear or didn't acknowledge the fact that we exist in a racist system if I just leave it to where this person is an asshole, then that is the that's the last that's the last thing any of our any of our listeners are going to hear. But if I if I talk about the fact that yeah, you know what, when when this person and I came into conversation into dialogue, I looked at this individual as an asshole. But through that process, I also learned the fact that I was being just an asshole as well too, because I was only seeing my side of the story. I only wanted my perspectives to be to be honored and to be heard, but not digging deep into the fact that, you know what, we're all coming from different places with different ideas, with different ways of upbringing. And sometimes when we meet, it's going to clash. But that doesn't mean we have to stay there, because if we continuously clash in that moment, we're never going to be able to find healing and move on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one of the things that we find if we're, if we're truly willing to listen to people who have perspectives that maybe we even find abhorrent. Um, what we're going to find is that 
perhaps they do have some ideas that are that will do harm um even if that harm is social or emotional harm uh but you know there are people out there that that um hold beliefs that that would do harm and that the that belief is usually rooted in fear mm-hmm. it's usually rooted in fear yep. yep and we're getting a pretty good look right now at what fear actually does to a society yeah and what pervasive ongoing fear does to a society i right. think that uh my personal observation is that uh and my experience is that 9/11 ripped a hole into our collective consciousness our collective and you know um experience and um th- and with that comes PTSD and i think that we are carrying um a social societal PTSD over the past 15 years and in doing so um we are we are perpetuating all the fear that came out of that it wasn't just two planes slamming into the into the towers that that i mean that was a powerful moment for sure but it was everything that came after it you know it was it was the alert system that told us that that the threat level was at orange today or red today it was it was the speeches from the oval office that when you counted up the number of times that the word terror were said it was it was more than any other word that he said including and <laughs> right and that's the uh, that's the conditioning of the human mind if we continuously you know see things or hear things then it's going to be something that you know that you know like for example when we think about buying a yellow car, all of a sudden we start seeing a yellow car. Yeah, well, and, and it didn't stop there, right? Like, you know, you had swine flu, you had um, H1N1, you had, right? So you had all these viruses. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we've, just been, we've just been pumping ourselves full of just fear, fear, fear over the past. Well, I think, I think when you have an entire society who is so afraid of each other, and afraid of asking questions and fear of their own mortality you have you know whoever is instilling that fear has total and complete control right you exactly and i i think we can we can talk about those um power dynamics um you know on a on another podcast i think what's important is to for people to identify um identify the fear that um identify the fear and now more than ever is an awesome time to identify that fear and um and wrestle with it for a little while not post on uh social media about it not write letters and emails to um, politicians and individuals that you don't think are doing what they should be doing it's an opportunity in order to in order to sit with it for just a little while. Right. That is the most um, uncomfortable place to be, is to sit in the ambiguity. Because you have no idea. And we don't allow ourselves enough time to sit in that ambiguous space because we want answers. We want answers. We want solutions. And so by sitting in the 
ambiguous space without the ability to just kind of silence our minds just a little bit, just kind of like take this time for self-reflection and contemplation on exactly what's happening, right? Ask ourselves those deep-rooted questions on how do I navigate in this space? What can I, what can I do to create a different society? Everything is just so fear-based that we're looking outside of ourselves for these solutions when the matter of the fact is that we might be actually sitting on and with and and it's within us the solutions are within us yes and when we don't when we don't take the time to do that when we don't take the time to to look the fear in the face and to meditate on it and to take an inventory of it and to try and understand it and then pass and then pass it on it doesn't right. mean that that fear's gone it doesn't mean that 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 fear is um resolved um but at least you've looked at it at least you looked it in the face right right you stop trying to run from it when we do that we begin removing disguises we begin removing masks that we that we put on and really the only way that you recognize um the removal of that mask is to stare at that thing in the face for just a little bit and um and meditate on it and then let it move on and once it moves on it takes a layer of disguise with it like what kind of disguise are you talking about what is a disguise in this society there are all kinds of of disguises many of which are um are socially acceptable um so alcohol alcoholism um you know uh, drug use, um, recreational drug use, um, pornography, um, anything that, that can help, um, soothe the anxiety that's in us. And, you know, I absolutely struggle with some of those things. You know, I'm a, I'm a daily drinker for sure. I, I come home and I have, a um, two glasses of, uh, of, uh, fine whiskey and a bottle of wine not with <laughs> the whiskey yeah i'm 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 a i drink um and i definitely have to wrestle with that uh, right. um i'm often fasting from these things that that will grab hold of me you know what you and i have been dealing with and wrestling with the past couple of months is um eating and diet uh, i'm definitely a comfort eater you know if left to my own devices <laughs> Holy shit. There's ice yeah. cream in the fridge every night. You know? There isn't right now, is there? There hasn't been for months. Oh, okay. I mean, we've we've really cut out sugar and we've cut out carbs and and I feel better for it. Every time we go and we eat something um that's not on our menu, it definitely screws with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me you know, too. I think pornography is a huge one in this culture. It's something that absolutely has stuck its claws in me, and it's something that I have um, actively over the past year um, worked with, wrestled with, went through counseling for, had to seek help, had to had to go and and figure this thing out because it was it was so in me, it had had its claws so in me for so long that I was. 
I was I I was so well disguised I couldn't even recognize myself. I feel like what you're describing as a disguise sounds like a vice. I think like these... vices are the things. Uh-huh. The disguises are what right? So the vice is the thing. The vice is the porn, oh, the, disguise, the vice. The, right. the disguise is is the is, is the mask that you wear when you're partaking in the activities. Yeah, when when I need to be soothed, right? right? When when there's something in my life that I need to be soothed from and oftentimes these things don't actually go away, right? You know, like a guy who hates his job and he's and he goes to that job every day and that job demands a lot of time from him and he just makes it happen. Like he's going and that's what he's doing because he's got to do it because he's got a, you know, a role to play and and um and he hates that fucking job but he won't say it he won't say it because his wife doesn't want to hear it from him anymore and uh and nobody wants to hear it from him anymore he just is in it and he's doing it and he does it silently and when he comes home he and his wife's not there he turns on the computer and he just lets himself jerk off for just a little while just a little while um, or he or he drinks himself into a minor stupor at night. You know, I mean, these things are serious. Right. Right. It is. Now, here's here's one of the things that I wanted to um, ask you is, you know, I mean, sometimes I feel like when we share these stories, we make it sound as if it's um, somebody else's story. I'm, I think I'm making it pretty clear that it's... It's you? I think I've okay, kind of it. said that up front. Right. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, what you were doing was um, focusing on the personal, right? Is, is, is yourself. <laughs> this is a podcast and, um, <laughs> and I think I've taken about as much personal accountability on a broadcast medium in which I'm going to. Don't get angry. I'm not, but but no 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 where we are. <laughs> I know where we are. You can cut this part out. Uh-uh. No, this is definitely <laughs> staying in. You can cut this part. No. You can cut this part out. No, people need to see that you struggle too. <laughs> no, I do struggle. Mm-hmm. I do struggle every day. Every day, you know, I mean, it's like I can I can go and I can talk I can talk about equity. I can talk about all of these things and you know, it's like when the emotions are high for me, I say things that I'm like, holy shit, what the hell am I saying? If anybody heard me saying this right now, it would just, <laughs> I feel like sometimes when I, I say things, it's not with a whole lot of grace, even though I talk about having that grace, you know, I mean, the, um, the, uh, the acronym of of aloha that you know that uh, that uh, that was created that i that i created to navigate conversations was because i was trying to figure out how to have these conversations wow well said and you know it's like um it it wasn't it wasn't easy because i i you know i mean I would be sitting there, 
you know, especially after having some kind of triggering conversation with someone. And, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to stay in relationship. And if I wanted to stay and remain in relationship with certain individuals after having a triggering conversation, I needed to figure out how do I go back into this conversation? How do I honor the space? How do I honor the voice? How do I honor myself? How do I do all of this in this very convoluted, complex situation? And so, you know, it's like studying and, you know, finding, finding a deeper meaning to what aloha means. I came up with the acronym, you know, A, ask and inquire. And I remember as I was putting it together, I was like, ask and inquire. By asking questions, it minimizes bias because sometimes I don't ask, I don't ask the right questions. <laughs> I just assume. Mm-hmm. I don't ask questions and I don't inquire. And then I found myself, okay, when I ask questions and then when I inquire, do I really listen? I don't normally listen to understand. I listen because I want to get into an argument and reply. <laughs> right? And yep. so I was like, okay, so listen, I need to figure out how to make this happen. And then as, as I'm asking questions and I'm listening, I can find myself getting so upset getting so upset where cognitive dissonance sets in and I no longer hear the person. All I want to do is argue. And I had to, I had to stop in that moment, that point where I had to like pause and breathe in between stimulus and response. And so that's O. And that's O was the observe of my body. What was my, what's my body doing? You know, it's like these, these emotions and somatic responses was um it wasn't it wasn't signals for me to react it was also signals for me to to contemplate to sit and think about what's going on but it happened so quick right between a stimulus and a response are like nanoseconds yeah. <laughs> where we're replying and then all of a sudden it's like oh shit how do i take all of that back i can't take my words back because i've already said it I've already said it. I needed to find a place to get back to my heart. So that's the H, right? It's like, it's the heart. And I realized that as I engage in conversations and I'm listening and observing that the heart will always bring me back. And how do you do that? To the conversation. Pause, breathe, contemplate. And then I can move to acceptance and adaptability of difference where I understand that we all come from different places with different ideas and different upbringings that when we come together in a place where we're having um, conversations, especially around race, then I, I can, I, I have to be able to find the grace to meet these individuals where they're at. Because if some individual grew up thinking that, you know, um, it was okay to play cowboys and Indians and go shoot the Indians, and that's, that was their mentality the whole entire time, because that's all that they got, that when they are faced with the fact that, you know what, that was kind of racist, mm. then both sides have to think about the fact that, wait a minute, let's just... Hold on and find out 
and ask and inquire, right? So it's, it's ask and inquire. It's listening with the intent to understand and not judge, observe what's going on in your, or your body and not just, not just looking across the table and, and, you know, looking at the body language of the people you're talking to, but also what is happening to yourself as well. Always leading with your heart. Heart is, heart is where you need to stay in for the entire process. And then you can come to accept and adaptability. The difference. And that is, that is aloha. Mm -hmm. That is aloha. That mm -hmm. is a way that we can actually find, um, find social change through personal transformation. Yeah. I think aloha is, um, it's a, it's a method. It's one of the methods for centering yourself. Um, and it's one that you came up for yourself and you've shared Right. With me and, and with many others. And, and I think uh, it does work. It is powerful. Um, I think that, that there are others, you know, there, or there are things in there, you know, within the heart um, um, and within the observed part, you know, that, that we can do as disciplines, as exercises. So exercise being one of them, right? Um, yoga um, appears to be specifically designed in order to observe right i mean that's yep. a huge Meditation. part of yoga right you're you're observing your body yep. you're observing your breath you're observing your thoughts you're observing you know wh while you're performing this this thing meditation mm -hmm. yeah yep. which is um which is also breathing yes um, because meditation is deeply tied to the breath um good sleep habits good eating habits mm -hmm. um, being out in nature being out in nature yeah um, self-talk is, um, is a big one. It's one we talk about a lot in this yep. house. Yeah. Yeah. How are you talking to yourself? Recognize the voices that are going off in your head and see them as an avatar of yourself, not as yourself per se. Use, you know, one of the things that, that you can do in breathing and meditation is you can listen to those voices by listening with your heart rather than listening in your head. Because mm -hmm. when you listen in your head, you identify with those voices. And those voices aren't actually you. They're, they're a part of you, but it's not a whole, the whole you. There's a whole bunch of you that, that we often ignore in this culture because we are not taught or encouraged how to listen to the you that is the physical body, right? I mean, so many people don't listen to, their, to what their body's doing. We are not taught and encouraged to listen to the you that, that dwells um, deep inside you in your, in your heart, in your tatian, in your, um, in your well of, of, of the soul. And we are really primarily encouraged to, to identify and listen with the mind. I think, therefore I am, is Descartes' um, words. And, and that worked really well for a what, 17th, 18th century civilization, a Victorian civilization, um, that worked really well, you know, for an enlightenment um, scenario 300 years ago. But it's, it's the 21st century. But I think, it's, I think it still applies in some way, right, after you, after you understand that 
you are connected to everything else around you, then I feel that you have to take that personal accountability of I am. I am the energy that connects to everything else. And the I am part, I think, holds holds true to that statement. The I think, therefore, I am, I think, is is short sighted, Mm, short sighted from 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 this perspective in this century. Right. You know, it it relegates man, you know, humans to to um, uh, to the mind. Mm -hmm. And there's more to us than just that. Right. Right. There is. And I think that's where we can find ourselves with um, the uh, coupling of indigenous epistemologies and Western philosophies, mm-hmm. right? We can find, we can find that, that, that spot where, you know, philosophies other than Eurocentric philosophies are just as valid and just as powerful. But I think in order for us to see that, we've got to be able to see ourselves as equals first. Because right now in, you know, in our Eurocentric academia, we see other epistemologies and ontologies that is not Western as lesser than. Yeah, that goes back to, um, that goes back to that, that conversation and that idea that we had about uh, how important it is to be able to learn to listen to other people, even when we find those those ideas or views abhorrent right and um and to bring them in welcome them in right um rather than calling them out um as long as uh you know with with the with the idea that you know not only not only is that going to change you it's also going to change the other person and the other person needs to be willing to come in and be changed and actually, from their perspective, they're bringing you in, right? So, so it it's a constant bringing in. It's like in. a yin and yang. Yeah, it's a yin and yang. It's yeah. a constant bringing in. Right. You know, so both of you are bringing each other in. Exactly. To um, you know, and it's going to change. Things are going to change. Um, if that's the perspective we're coming from. Right. To genuinely care for one another want to know and be curious about each other how beautiful would that be well it, it's a circle because what keeps us from doing it is the fear right and as long as we perpetuate and build a society that is vibrating vibrating with fear um and uh and living out the consequences that exist within that all of us walking around behind disguises mm-hmm. um you know our, we we don't have any our our space you know our dwelling space within isn't even prepared to bring people i in. think i think that's why it's so important for um i think we we bring people in and we can be approachable and welcoming and make people feel like they belong by being transparent ourselves that means that you have to be willing to you have to be willing to walk around without a disguise and just be real like this is me right this is who i am right this is what i'm bringing to the table and um if you like it that's great if not i'm sorry you know but not 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 having it to where you have to continuously wear a disguise i love encouraging people to find that power and i think when when you're able to do that you can see like you literally can see 
the the power of other people mm-hmm. you know and you can bring you can bring that out you know it's like when i meet people who walk around with these multiple identities mm-hmm. it is so beautiful but sometimes they don't see the power of walking in these multiple identities you know if you have a person who is white appearing or european appearing but everything about them is um you know is like um is of another you know hispanic or indigenous descent mm-hmm. and that's the whole thing that they do is that they they live their life that way that they can speak the language they know the culture they know everything about it their parents are from mexico their parents are you know i mean it's like there is so much power but society has made it to where these individuals who walk around with these multiple identities have to choose which identity to live with mm-hmm. and when they do that they deny the other part of themselves and so when I, when I meet individuals who are struggling with that, you know, where they either gave up their ethnic name because um, people of European descent couldn't, couldn't um, pronounce their name, or they deny um, one part of themselves because society has, has made it clear that they only appreciate the other half of these individuals, mm-hmm. I always like to look right in the middle. And when I, when I see that, I tell people, there's your power. Your power is actually to be the bridge between both worlds. How awesome is that? Yeah. Right? How awesome is that? Yeah. Is that if you are white appearing and people are accepting you in a society where they are perpetuating the supremacy, you've got the power and the privilege to walk in that space, but know that there's 3,000 ancestors behind you that are looking at you and be, girl, you better be doing this right. And you speak truth to that. You don't speak from a place of, um, of contempt or anger or that generational bitterness. You speak from the point to where, you know what? I know who I am. I know the power that I bring, and together we're going to make this change. You ready for this? Because I got you. I yeah. got you, and I hope you got me too. That I know that we're coming into this area in this ambiguous space that we've never been to, that it's freaking scary as hell. And I've got to go and change my minds about certain things and change my heart on how I approach, to st- approach stuff. And I know you feel that too. Mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and get this done together. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where that's where Aloha plays such an important role in how we are exchanging this breath of life with each other and being accountable to sharing and sharing this breath and being responsible to how we share it. How are we sharing these words? Are we are we expressing these words through through hate and through continuous divide, or are we asking ourselves the kind of questions that's going to bring healing? Yes, I think uh, let's go. I want to go back to to what you were talking about um, uh, just a second ago because I was know. getting all like yep heated yep. and emotional yep. and stuff. Yeah, um, code switching. Yes, code switching. Yeah. So uh, and the power that people have with that. It's um, I I think when it when it comes to um, code switching, 
sometimes sometimes depending on who that so code switching i feel is is a jedi power <laughs> yeah i think so too it's a jedi power that you can you can use it for harm or you can use it for guilt, good you know mm-hmm. however that's your choice you know and you know what outcomes do you want i feel like i can use um my code switching powers to empower other people yeah and you know it's like you know when i code switch i can i i i feel like i've trained myself enough um to where i can i can sit in a room of educators and i can speak their language to where they understand mm-hmm. i can also walk into spaces of all different types of languages like when my friends from hawaii call right it's like as soon as they call i switch and i speak languages that only only we understand together mm-hmm. and but i also know the power within that is i'm able to build bridges i'm like a translator yes <laughs> yeah you are i'm like a translator yeah, you are. And you know, it's like I've kind of learned how to how to do that in different ways as well too. You know, it's like um I learned a lot of a lot of um language that that would that that would um help in in navigating higher education. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot of language. I've learned now I'm learning language on what it means to be in a K-12 system. Yeah. Right? Is that language. And then I also have language of being a mom whose kids went through public school. Sure. Right? And so it's like I have all of these different languages. And so um, I'm able to meet people where they're at. Were you ever a PTA member? No, I was not. No? Oh, oh no, I was not. I was not. Why not? Um, well, because... Um, uh i don't like rules very much (laughs) and i think i went to a pta meeting and there was just so much rules to follow Mm -hmm. and i was just like are you fucking serious how old were you why do you gotta go there because it it was younger than you are now (laughs) i was a young mom yeah so how i was a young i was a young mom well, I think by the time the boys, um, by the time the boys were going to school, that would have been like, see, <laughs> I was 24 years old. 24. I was 24 years old and I had kids in kindergarten and first grade. Sure. Yeah. So not, I mean, you don't really like rules even now, but, but you, you know, you're, you're also, can, you know. I like rules. You, well, I like standards. Actually, yes, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. I think that you, right? I mean, that's one of the things that kind of comes out of growing up is those things that are deeply seated in us, you know, and everybody's got them. They either become more entrenched or we learn how to kind of deal with them. Rebellion um, being one that you and I certainly can can kind of uh, empathize with, right? Um, you know, having your family of origin and um, consider you to be a rebel right? and then playing that role. Right, right, right. Because, you know, you're going to be the kind of person who's going to be like, 
Fine. You want me to, you know, you think I'm a rebel? I'm going to play this role really well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was one of my disguises. Sure. Right? It was a way that I would, um, you know, I, I would navigate the world. And I think we still do. You mm-hmm. know, I think we still, we still navigate the world with um, some kind of disguise. Sure. You, know? you can't I mean, not. Right. Right. I mean, I can find myself, you know, um, not any, not as, not as much anymore, but I used to be so, um, embarrassed by my upbringing, right? I was so embarrassed that I, I'm a, uh, I'm a product of, um, public housing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And it's like, now I see the, I see the power. I see the power in identifying with the fact that, yeah, you know what? I'm a product of public housing. I lived in Palolo Valley. I lived in the housing. So did all of my family. And you know what? We're doing okay. And, and not, not only that, we've become family. Sure. And also it's like um, realizing, realizing that that was, a, that was a systemic racism. Yes. Right? That was systemic racism, um, systemic oppression to where, you know, I mean, I, I had bouts with internalized oppression. And, you know, as I was trying to work out of it, I had internalized racism against people, my own people. And I, you know, and I, and I found myself navigating through this, but now I know that it's my responsibility and my duty to say, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I am from Palolo housing and I want others, I want other, I want other young women to see me and be like, you know what? We're going to change this. We're going to dismantle this and keep reaching back to and never, never forget on where, you know, I can never forget where I came from. Yes. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that we, we do, we, we have to wear disguises in this world. Mm-hmm. It's when the disguise stops serving you that, that, uh, that it, you need to discard it. And the only way you can recognize that it's no longer serving you is to look it in the face and the, and the, to look at, you know, look it in the, in the eye. And the only, um, the only way to, um, and the, and the identifier, the, the, the clue, the signal, if you will, that you get that there is a disguise that's no longer serving you is, is the anxiety and the fear that you feel inside. That's a signal. That signal saying, hey, we got something we need to look at. <laughs> no, I'm serious, man. We need, well, okay, well, I guess, I guess you could have another glass of that, you know, right. like, but when you're done, we, we need to really, can we just take a moment and pause and, oh, okay, well, I guess we're going to watch this video for, all right, well, I guess we watch this for 10 minutes, but then let's really work on this. Right. That's what fear is saying. That's what anxiety is saying. And then how many times, how many times do people continuously fall back into that fear over and over and over and over again to where it becomes like, okay, we, I got to do something different in order to have different results. Yeah. You know, it's like, keep falling back, keep falling back, keep falling back. You are going to find yourself in this um, perpetual vortex of always not feeling like you're achieving anything. And so it's like, I think it does take a lot of, um, it takes a uh, discipline and it takes will. And it also, um, takes the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, 
opportunity to ask yourself the question on what outcomes do I want? What kind of outcomes do I want? Mm. And to move, to move towards that, right? Yeah. It's like start seeing the future, start seeing exactly creating that image and working towards it. Yes. Yeah. So. And, and that, and the thing is, is that this is where self-talk comes back, right? You know, the thing is, is that you can create that, that you can create that image of what you want and you can start moving towards it. Don't be surprised when your brain starts saying to you, you know, a- after a couple weeks of effort or, you know, something along those lines, don't be surprised when your brain starts saying to you, you know what, I don't think we can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what, I, let's just, uh, let's just take a break. You, you know what, let's, right? Like, it's going to say that. Talk back to it. Talk back to it. Maybe not out loud. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I do for sure. There's been more than one occasion where you've come into the kitchen and been like, what'd you say? Uh, uh, not talking to you. Um, but the best way that I've found to do it is to journal, you know, and that is a technique that came out of the counseling that I did. Um, and um, he said, he said, dialogue or journal, dialogue with anything that's fucking with you. That's what he said. And so I, I did, I use, I use notepad on, on, because it's on my phone and it's on my computer and, and, uh, so it's every, you know, it goes everywhere with me and, and, um, and when something starts fucking with me, right? Like that voice starts coming up, maybe that voice is saying, you know what, man, I don't think we can do this. Or maybe that voice is saying, you know what, man, maybe you could just, just look at, at her ass or, hey, you know what, man, maybe it's okay to, to just sit down and watch a little pornography or that voice is saying you know what man maybe it's okay to go ahead and pour yourself one more right whatever that voice is saying i have to sit down and i have to dialogue with it Mm -hmm. and i name it i name that voice which is fun because i get to give them all kinds of creative names because they don't get to choose their name um and so and so i name it and then i have a dialogue so it's so it's it's them and this and is your this is this is your process not everybody has to follow this, yeah, this process. Is my process it's your it's your process that you have these multiple personalities in your head that's not that- that's not an appropriate way to that's not that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that there are voices with many different accents and many different many different perspectives yeah um, yeah. you know, and that's a, that's a superpower that you have. It is. It's a superpower that you have. And, you know, it's like, you can use your superpower to, to write an amazing book. Thank you. Because they're all characters, right? They are all characters. Those are your disguises. All of those multiple characters that you have are right. your disguises. Right. And so that's, that's who you, that's. That's you. Yeah. And That's those disguises you. don't go away. Right. You know, but they get quieter. And so the way that I kind of started working through it was um, when a voice would be chirping at me um, from the passenger seat, I'd be like, okay, you want, you want to drive. That's what you want. You want to drive. I think it also is important to note that in order to have this process for myself and and it actually work, I had to recognize that none of these voices were actually me. That was an important piece of this process. I had to recognize that none of these voices were actually me. They were just voices I was identifying with. The voice that's actually me is actually here. It's in my heart. 
and I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear it because it was buried underneath disguises. And so that meant that I had to spend time breathing. Um, the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. It's on audiobook. Um, there's a abridged version and then the full version. It is 100% worth listening to. Listen to it slowly. Take time. Go back. Listen to it again. Um, take time with that book. It it can change your life. It the can change your life. Now the Power Eckhart of Now. Um, you know, and that's not the only one. There, we have we you and I have shared dozens of amazing books between each other oh my and, gosh and yeah within our my, cohorts and grad my school big, what, my books were like um pema pema children yeah pema children and then also um the four the four agreements the four agreements by um, uh, miguel miguel yeah ruiz miguel. Yeah. yeah yeah and then um yeah i mean i remember gosh i had i had all of all of pema's books mm-hmm. most of her most of her <laughs> Her books. I remember going through going through that um, transformation. The places that scare you. Yes, the places that scare you. That is was a good the one. Pema Children book that both of us really, really connected to. I think it's sitting right there. And what, what other books did you bring in? The here? other books that I have as the Four Agreements by um, Don Miguel Reese. I think that book is a really good starting point. I oh think my gosh. that if this is a journey that you know, if you're if you're if you're kind of trying to figure out and start. Um, uh, a journey of self-reflection. Um, the four agreements is a good starting point. And it's um, you know, and it may not be for everyone, right? It may not be for everyone, and it's and it's okay. It's not like we're saying that everybody should read this, but you know, if you if you um if you find yourself in a place where you know you want some resources and you want to check it out, then that's great. Do you remember the Do you remember the agreements? I don't think I remember them by heart. Okay, so the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. Those are good. Those are good agreements. Yeah, so those are, the, the, those are that's awesome. And I think I read that book, I don't know, like two, three times. Another book that I think is a good starting point, The Alchemist. Oh, The Alchemist was amazing. Yeah, that's it, a good That's book. a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and The Celestine Prophecies would be another one. Yep. Again, yep. fiction, but it's a good starting point. Yeah, exactly. And then Pema, um, Pema Children has Start Where You Are, A Guide to Compassionate Living. And then The Places That Scare You. The Places That Scare You. Yeah, A Guide to Fearlessness in Difficult Times. Ooh, that was like, that was uh, something that you and I kind of um, well, I think, lived. I think that it was the first time in my um, adult life, this is the first time in my life, right? You know, like childhood's full of all kinds of trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Mine was, you know, and uh, um, divorce and living in two different states that are thousands of miles apart and and, uh, the, you know, having to navigate and figure out how to move from one family to the other um, every couple of months and yeah, it was, you know, I mean, and so, um, and so you don't have, you're, you're only, you're just, just building your disguises at that point. You're not even, you don't even, you're not even really aware of them and through, hopefully through, um, a good portion of that. And, you know, in the years before 11, 10, 11, 12, you know, you're, you're just being a kid. Right. Um, right. 
but through your 20s you're really kind of experimenting through those uh through those disguises you're really seeing what disguises seem to fit well and which ones don't seem to fit and maybe you'll try this one on later and you know and 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 or even anxious to give some um disguises a try i couldn't wait to get started in the business world i thought i was going to be a business mogul (laughs) i did I did. And for a little while there, um, you know, things things were definitely affirmed for me in that direction. And then I realized, uh, nope, nope. So by the time I hit 30, I'd gotten married at 27. That lasted for two years. Got a divorce. Lost my job, which I did not see coming. I left the church. I was in a mentoring relationship with the head pastor. And uh, he made a surprise announcement on Easter Sunday that... Lo and behold, like every other head pastor that leaves, some scandal followed him. And uh, it just made me really think about my religion and right. and what were my foundations really. And, uh, and then I spent a year on unemployment during that, during that time. Um, it was right after 9-11, and we went through a little recession. And so I spent a year on unemployment. Um, that was tough. So by the time I hit my 30th birthday, which I started a new job on my 30th birthday, a job that would propel me into, you know, kind of that, that, that second part of my adult life, I, I really was down to my foundation stones. And I, I pretty firmly was able to identify what those stones were and what those stones weren't. So... I certainly the the way I had thought about what marriage was was uh, was definitely out. I was open to trying to learn it a second time around. My ideas for what a job was and what a career was was out, and I was definitely willing to try and figure that out. My disguise around. Um, identifying myself with what I do and um, and my vocation was out, and so I had to figure that one out, and that one's been a long process. And my idea of my relationship with God and community was out, and although I kept uh, some very personal foundation stones from that that stay to this day. I cannot consider, I, I don't want to consider myself a Christian um, because I think that, well, I just don't want to. Did you ever figure yourself out? Mm, I've figured, I've figured out, I figured out more of me as, as life went on, but uh, no, I haven't figured myself completely out. I, I don't want to figure myself completely out. I, I mean, I want to be comfortable with who I am, and I want to. I think we continuously figure ourselves out. I think and then so too. It's like it's like um, you know, as you were as you were talking and everything like that, and you were talking about all of these different disguises. Um, I looked at as um, multicultural identity bubbles mm. that you know some of them some of them will attach to your bigger self, some of them will bounce off and go somewhere else and something else would come in it's just like it's like all of these bubbles you know that continuously come in and out some stay some don't some don't and i you know i think i think that's life that's 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 life that's going through that's going through life and sometimes 
you meet people in between those spaces of where these bubbles are landing to yourself. And then, you know, as soon as it lands, it's starting to make an exit, right? It's like you meet people along that path and people that you meet along that path will know you for that moment in your life. Mm. And things constantly change that when they see you again, in their mind, they're going to be like, well, that's not the person. That's not the person that I met. Yeah, it is the same person that you met. What happened in their life? Yeah. What happened in their life to make them change? What happened after I exited under their light, you know, out of their life and now entering again from another place, from a different point of view? Mm -hmm. And I feel sometimes... There's individuals out there who feel and believe that if they exit your life and enter in again or try to enter in again, if they don't feel welcome or they don't feel like, you know, they know you, it's because we are constantly changing. Sure. Yeah. Constantly changing. You know, it's like Fam you, family of origin can be a big one for a oh lot of people. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, I mean, yes. when, you know, I think my experience has been the parents are, you know, Parents are constantly trying to reinsert themselves into into your life um, uh, on the page in which they left off. And the page that they left off, and, yes. And sometimes yes. that page is, you know, 19 years old right. moving out. Right. Like, why the fuck are we still on this goddamn page? You realize right. I'm, I'm, I'm writing page 345 right now, and you're on 19? Right. And I feel like when parents or I think when anyone tries to enter back into into that part um th there's there's a there there's a point where if, if we want to continue to be in relationship with that individual then we can we can we can share with them the the journey that we've been on right we can be transparent in that part the other person that's coming into the system or into that part of our life again, also have to realize to, to not take things personally. Mm -hmm. That if you choose at that point, like, you know what? Your bubble popped. <laughs> and I don't, I, I, I don't see myself moving on with you in it. Yeah. And I think, it's, I think it's okay to feel that because it's not about you. It's okay to feel that. Right? It's okay. It's not, it's not. And that person's got to realize, though, it's not about you. Just keep floating along you know and 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 you'll find your you found your you found you'll find your community in your space with somebody else or maybe you won't or you won't but that's right. also their problem that is their problem yeah but it can be hard right yeah. especially if if they felt that um especially if, if if they felt really close to you in some way certainly in you know that you had some really deep connection in that point and i think that's where we can also say I honor that time. Certainly. I honor that time. And you know what? We had, we had, we had good memories. And thank you. Well, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And that is hard to do. Uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's something that's really hard for all of us to do, um, especially when it's former spouses, former partners, um, you know, former friends. When these relationships have um, elements of goodness in them and joy, but like disguises, they, they no longer serve the people in them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it, it's, you got to let go. 
of right. some things. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and if you and if you do see each other as you're bouncing through life, you know, you can be you can be cordial and be like, hey, what's up? How's it going? How's things going for you? And be be genuine about it. Be genuine about the fact that, you know what, I do still care for you. I still care for you. Like, I hope you're doing well. Mm-hmm. Right on. Good for you. Congratulations. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm not inviting you back into my life. I'm just saying good for you. This is awesome that you're living this life. Yeah. But a lot of times people feel that uh, it's, you know, sometimes people can feel that it's an invitation. That gets irritating. Right? Sure. I think that's where, I think that's where the, um, we can fall into like codependency and all of these other uh, kinds absolutely. of things. <laughs> absolutely. And then, and then that gets into boundaries, uh-huh. right? right? You know, uh, as a person who has struggled to um, maintain boundaries, maintain good boundaries sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've definitely had to, had to figure out and deal with, you know, and I'm very fortunate to have a group of friends around me that, um, that have been very patient and, in in kind of helping me with that, you know. In many ways, close friends continue to raise. We continue to raise each other, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, where parents leave off, close close friendships can continue to to raise um, that raise each other. Sometimes, like I feel like um, I feel like my group of friends can sometimes be like a shipwrecked island full of boys, um, you know. But but. That's okay. You figure you figure out your order. You figure out your you know you figure out how to do it, and you figure out how to grow up and be. We we figure out how to grow up and be men, you know, men together. And I think I think it's also figuring out that um, you you get to know other people's um, disguises, right? Right. You get to know genuine. Right. You get to know other people's disguises, and you also know that their disguises will show up at certain different times you know, of being together and, and honoring that disguise, yeah. you know, in, in that moment. Right. Right. And so it's like, um, oh, this is the disguise you're wearing today. Okay. This is, this is how I have to honor you in this moment. I think it's, I think, I think that's what um, is so important about being in these authentic and genuine relationships is that you're honoring one another. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I think it's also got to be clear that not every relationship in my life is some authentic, amazing, oh, right. enlightened relationship. Right. Absolutely. I absolutely have relationships that are. They're just they're, within the structure right. of, yes. of, of the world in which they exist. Yeah, they know? don't they they don't um, overlap or intersect in, you know, in, in some of the most um, um, sacred ways according, you know, for, for ourselves. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't mean that sometimes those relationships won't or don't, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're, but, like, uh, they're like bubbles. They yeah. Mean. Which kind of goes back to boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, sometimes I like relationships, well, bubbles have the boundary, boundary <laughs> condition. They have a boundary level. They do. <laughs> That's what makes it a bubble is the boundary. The boundary literally is what makes it a the bubble. Bu- yeah. The, yes, exactly. The boundary is the bubble. <laughs> perfect example but i just like i just like i just like i just like i'm gonna call it bubbles i'm gonna call it boundaries (laughs) i I think it's great please by all means i'll know exactly what you're talking about when you call it bubbles bubbles. right bubbles and vibrating hearts oh yes yeah (laughs) 
Well, I'd call vibrating hearts maybe vibrating hearts. I'd probably call them waveforms. Yes. That's yep. what I'd call them, right. waveforms. And, and here's the other thing, too, is like and right now we are speaking um, the same language. We're speaking the same language, mm-hmm. bubbles and boundaries and waveforms and vibrating hearts, you know, but the way that the, the way that I speak may sound different from yours, even though we're speaking the same thing. And I think it's 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 being able to stop and be like, hey, wait a minute. The boundary is a bubble. The bubble is a boundary. It's the same thing. And, you know, acknowledging the fact that, well, I'm going to continue to call it boundaries. You're going to call it bubbles. When you're talking about bubbles, I know you're talking about boundaries. So we get to learn each other's language. Right. And that's how you learn each other's disguises as well, too. Certainly. Yeah. And there's vulnerability in that. Oh, there is total vulnerability. So that's why you've got to trust the people that Certainly. you're yeah. being vulnerable with. And you've got to be trustworthy. And you've got to be trustworthy. With those relationships. Yes. I think, uh, you know, that reminds me of... Um, of uh, an occasion in which you and um, myself and our very close friend John Johnny Quaker <laughs> um, were see, watching the sunset from oh, my apartment. That's a beautiful story. Window and yeah. it was sunsetting over Bellingham Bay, and the way that it was coming in at the low horizon, you know, was coming straight in over the Olympic Mountains across Bellingham Bay into the city, and this beautiful golden light was just filling the streets um which all kind of point to the bay and um and we we were just silent watching that sunset from the big bay window um and watching the light dance off of the walls in that apartment and when it finally set and uh you know and it was it was over um i asked uh i asked what what did you what did you you know what did you see what, what mm-hmm. kind of sunset did you see? And, and, uh, and we all said, we all said different things, mm-hmm. but it was the same sunset. Yeah. I, you know, like I remember I had talked about how the, I was watching the light as it came in, just as I described it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. as it came in, um, you know, um, into the atmosphere, you know, coming in across the mountains and across the bay and, and, and watching it. And then what did you say? I, I I just saw the um, the colors changing all around me, and you know I mean not just not just within the walls or you know looking looking down ten feet onto onto the ground, but I saw the whole entire Bellingham, the sky all the way to the sea that it was just changing all of these different colors. Um, like embracing the change that was happening in the moment. Yeah. And John had said that, that he was, he was imagining the position because that was like August or yeah, September. position of the earth. And so he was thinking, <laughs> right. So it was close to solstice or yes. um, equinox. Equinox. And yeah. so he was thinking about the position of the, of the, of the earth, to the as sun. A, you know, yes. to the sun and yes. how, and how it was just perfectly coming in the way right. it was. Right. And, and so, but we were all looking at the sunset. We were all looking at the same sunset and we all had different perspectives of that sunset. And I love sharing that story, especially when we talk about shifting perspectives, right? If, if, if there was a fourth person that was open to hearing all of our perspectives or, or here's what I, here's what I think. I, I think about um, the way that we we're describing the sunset. Mm-hmm. If there was a person who was um, 
a fourth person that couldn't see the sunset and we were describing that to them that they would be living the experiences of three different individuals based off of one singular event certainly yeah and that was pretty that's that's pretty incredible and it happens every single day we do that every single day by listening to the amount of news that we consume or the um, social media that we get these are all different perspectives well they're all different perspectives this goes back to um in your in your acronym for aloha in your tool um, for Aloha uh, L listening mm-hmm. and the kind of listening that that it takes, it is like a like a blind person um, taking in and being willing to take in these perspectives of what the sunset looked like and and now this person, if they're willing to take uh, those things in like that, they they do now possess the perspective of of multiple people absolutely, um, and um, and they have their own perspective. Maybe they felt the warmth of the sun on their skin and uh, you know, and, and you know, so, so they can add that to their perspective and they can take in those perspectives. That's what L for listening right. means, right. you know, that that's that kind of, it's mindful listening. It's mindful listening. Right. And it's, you know, and it's, and it's, um, it's uh it's listening with the intent to understand and not judge not try to control anything but just allowing ourselves to be mindful and um you know compassionate participants in another person's um story right and when 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 we're able to do that we can learn so much from each other mm-hmm. and you know a lot of times and i found myself in a place where as as the um educator i felt like i always needed to educate yeah and and i was far from being educated right right and so it's like now when when i um when i understand the you know especially as i'm as i'm working towards the idea of um coupling indigenous epistemology and western philosophy I've got to be able to take in multiple points of views. I need to be able to see things holistically from many, many, many different perspectives and be okay with what people are explaining to me. And I think that's how I, 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 kind, I do take things personally, I do. But when someone tells me something about something that I said that may have offended them or hurt them in any way, I don't take defense to that. I listen and I inquire, what was it that I said that offended you? Certainly. And then dig deeper, right? Mm-hmm. And then inquire about that because you'll find and you'll, you'll discover that, wow, based off of their perspective, I can see what I said was kind of shitty to them. Certainly. Right? And so it's like... And it changes your perspective. It changes my perspective on mm-hmm. everything else. But I have to be willing to do that instead of coming from a place where it's like, yeah, I'm telling you this and this is my way. This is what I believe. Right. And you can believe what you believe. <laughs> exactly. And that's fine. No problem. But right. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't want to yep. be around it. And yep. in fact, let's not even be in the same room right. together. Right. Which is why I'm going to create a room and a space where the people who believe what I believe can yep. all be. Yeah. And I'm going to spend time with them and we don't have to be around each other because I'll be honest with you. You make me extremely uncomfortable. Right. Right? Yeah. 
that's one of the reasons why um that's one of the reasons why going back to what you said a moment ago with the educated and the you know and mm-hmm. the educator and right and right. feeling um you know that that cognitive dissonance yeah uh that's why it is so important to read that's oh, yeah. why it is so important to read and be and and be open to more learning and and ch- and also challenging challenging what you read it's a safe place to take in new perspectives yeah. Yep. Right. It's a safe place to take in new perspectives. Read things that challenge you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then read things that challenge you a lot. Right. If you can't finish it, fine, you can't finish it. Guess what? Who gives a fuck? Right. <laughs> Who cares if you can't finish it? Right. Like like there's nobody judging you because you couldn't finish the Tao Te Ching. You know, right. like if you put it away and you're like Proverbs wrote this before it actually it didn't, uh, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like it's it. You, there's no need to. Right. to you, you can do it without it's safe. Yeah. That's why it's so yes. important to read. Yes. And that's why listening can't just be about, about how we listen. It also has to be about what we listen to. Mm-hmm. I think the two biggest things in this society that have probably caused the most harm, certainly, and it'll work itself out. All, all systems do all things do. They will find balance, but in the meantime, I think the two things that have done the most harm in this culture, in this society in the past 10 years has been social media uh-huh. and cable news networks. Yep. And I think people's addiction to those, because just like everything else, that stuff does two things. One, it limits your ability to read, right? So if, if you don't have time to read, maybe putting that down for a little bit is, is maybe advisable. Go to bed a little bit earlier. You know, it's a great way to um, put yourself to sleep. Calms your mind, depending on what you're reading. You know, and, and then what we are watching, you know, what are, we, what are we listening to? What are we consuming? Are we, is what we're consuming, is what we're consuming being helpful towards making a better world? Or is what we're consuming wanting to tear others down? Mm-hmm. Is it wanting to create oh, others? Oh, it feeds. It feed. It definitely. It it feeds you. It feeds your um, your beliefs. It feeds your ego. It feeds. It feeds. It feeds everything. Everything. Yeah. You know. I mean it. It feels it. Um, it feeds the vibration in your cells and how your cells actually, you know, vibrate. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean it. It gives you all of those things because. I know, I know that, uh, when I write, you know, I have to, um, I have to have, I can't have music playing that has words in it because I'm always listening. Right. And it's like, Oh wait, what did they say? And so I would concentrate on the words. So I have to put on soft jazz or some Mozart. I do too. You know I mean? In order to be creative, because I, I do feel that there's certain parts of my brain that vibrates according to what I'm listening to or what I'm consuming. And then I find myself reacting to those, those stimulus, you know, Mm -hmm. those, you know, the stimuli reacts differently with, with my Mm decision-making. I think, I mean, I think it, I think it does, but yeah, everything, everything that we, everything that we see, everything that we hear, everything that we, we, we consume, effects on how we interact with ourselves Mm -hmm. and how we interact with one another Mm -hmm. 
And so I, I kind of, I like to do research. I think I've, I think I've become a pretty good researcher. I think you have too. You know, and I like to read stuff and, mm-hmm. and I don't just read the first stuff I see. I compare it with other things and, you know, there's times when I need to feed my ego and I go onto social media and I post something and I, you know, it's like um, I have a lot of people responding or whatever it is or, you know, I mean, it's like um, I do. I feed my ego and I think it's okay. It's, I think it's okay. It's not a bad t- thing to feed your ego. It's when you overfeed it like everything else. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you become a fathead, right? right. It's like. So with everything else, so I think it's I think it's okay to feed your ego. Just what are you feeding it, and how much are you feeding it? And are you aware that it's your ego? Right. And are you aware? Are that you it's fully your identifying ego? with it? Right. Right. Like, is yeah. that you know, ego is another voice for those disguises. Mm-hmm. Those disguises are another voice for those voice. Are another another word for those voices. Right. You know, um, are you fully identifying with it? Right. And you know, and I think I think it's also. Um, it's also important as well to have a close, close group of people that you can trust and that you can you can go to even when you feel when you feel vulnerable, when you feel like you're doubting yourself or, you know, whatever. When you're when you're in that space of vulnerability, that you have a close group of individuals where you can go to and just be like, you know what, I need to check myself on this. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll be able to have conversations, real conversations with you. And I only have a handful, maybe, sure. a handful of people that I truly trust with my, my, most, my most intimate and vulnerable self. Yeah. And, and that's important as well, too. Everybody, everybody else that, you, that you're in communication with helps you along. They give you that little... Um, juice that little spark to keep you to keep you going throughout the day mm-hmm. and then you know i mean also yeah and you've got to be aware on on people that you're surrounding yourself with as well you do because they can feed you all kinds of shit that you could fall prey to absolutely <laughs> absolutely you know and it's not that the that people necessarily have bad intentions it's just that sometimes people aren't doing the work for themselves and and so they're not in a healthy place mm-hmm. and that means that they um they are wanting or willing to do harm right well exactly. no they're not wanting or willing to do harm they might inadvertently do harm right because they're living with disguises that are harming them mm-hmm. yeah yeah <clears throat> and you know i mean it's like and if you don't if you don't know that person very well and you don't know all of their um you haven't figured out their disguises then maybe that's something somebody you shouldn't be so vulnerable with Sure. Yeah. But again, you have to, you got to start with being with, with facing, you you, got to start with facing those things that are calling you out. Right. Right. Yeah. And it is, it's a, it is a scary place to do when you are talking about change. Yeah. I think you said something earlier that, that I thought was, um, was worth um, bringing back up, you know, you, you were talking about one of the reasons why you chose to go and educate yourself. And, um, I think that's the power of education. I think that education can be, education can be 
life-changing. It's unfortunate that we do live in a society in which to become a doctor in your field, uh, you know, whether that be a, a doctor of medicine or a doctor of philosophy or a doctor of science or, or a doctor of uh, writing and literature, whatever the case might be, that you have to, you have to spend you know, tens of thousands, $100,000 in, in order to do that. That's debt that you will likely carry. I mean, that's a small house, you know, in, and that's, that's just, we need these people. We need these people. We need people who are thinking about who we are, who are thinking about where we're headed. We, we can't stay where we're at. We're not going to stay where we're at. And if we're not, if we're not actively participating in the conversation of where are we going, and the only way that I actually know how to do that, and then this is my experience, is to read is to study, is to have conversations, is to do, you know, to face those things inside you, to, to not identify with them, to move yourself through a process of, of recentering and, and through meditation and good sleep and some exercise. And, and I am working on all those things. I'm trying to figure those things out for myself. You know, I do not have them figured out. But without doing those, I, I'm not... I'm, I, I, I don't know how I could possibly be a person who is participating in answering the question of where are we going as a society. And I think that in this society, we have a tendency to split ourselves amongst many lines, classes and races. One of the lines that we split ourselves on is the educated and the uneducated. And neither one of them look at each other with, with a lot of pleasantness. Both of them look on each other with some contempt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that is extremely foolish. Yeah. I and think that, that the uneducated, the educated need to, need, to, need, to, need to do exactly what you were saying earlier, which is you're holding the door open. Mm -hmm. And that door should not be so difficult to get to. So making it so that our education... It does not cost as much, or at least your contribution to society can help offset that cost. Those are important things. And the uneducated should not look at the educated as an other. We need those doctors out there, those doctors of medicine, those doctors of science, those doctors of philosophy, those doctors of literature. We need them because... They're helping guide the ship. And if we don't have them, and all we have is an uneducated masses with, a, with, with those that have power, the uneducated are going are gonna to become enslaved because those that have power are going to take advantage. Take advantage. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, even in that conversation alone, I think we still have to be able to come to the place where there's going to be tension behind of that because we've, we, we have developed a system to where the educated is higher than the non-educated. What do you mean? It, it, we, we, we've built a hierarchy. We've built a hierarchy sure. to, you know, and so it's like, um, you know, I work really, I work really hard to come from a place of, um, 
compassion and empathy. You know, I, I work really hard on that on a daily basis. But when I meet someone who has not, um, who has not gone through, you know, the, the struggles of trying to navigate higher education, you know, or, you know, I mean, just education after high school and continuing my education, when I meet people who have not done that, they automatically think that I'm talking down to them. Sure. And they feel like they need to defend something. And they can, they can come across where the first time they meet me, they don't like me. Mm-hmm. And it's like they haven't, they haven't asked, they haven't inquired, they haven't listened, they haven't done any of you know, the, the protocols that would, that would, would um, set the trajectory for personal transformation. They, you know, it's because they're coming from this place of defense. Well, I, the, the, one of the things that we don't do is we don't, we don't create a, uh, we don't create value for education. And because even today, you know, a high school diploma is kind of good enough. I mean, it's good enough to have a service job. You know, it's good enough to have a manufacturing job and, and even though those jobs have kind of disappeared, uh, which is leaving a bit of a, it's putting a lot of people into service. We don't, we don't create as a society the value for education. And, and there are elements in which within, within that, you know, within um, a working class environment in which a lack of education is actually going to harm us societally. The biggest one that I can think of is construction. Uh, you know, that's the field that that I've just spent the past uh, eight, nine years in, and specifically maintenance, not the building of new things. It's the maintaining of the things that we build. Mm. We don't, we, we don't, we have no education for 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 individuals who are coming uh, out of um, high school when it comes to the field of the trades. So, are you um, are you saying that? Um it would be it would be a good step in the education system to start creating a uh, um, a uh, pathway, a career I, pathway for for people who want to be in the trades. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I think that to formalize education for a specific group, right? So, science, ed, uh, literature, arts, um, uh, medicine, engineering. So. These these groups get formal educations and they have to come out of high school and then get that. But then for these other groups over here, we don't create formal education paths. And many of those people bounce around a lot. Right. And, you know, and end up, you know, working for a plumber or working for an electrician and they end up with a career path. Right. They're highly susceptible to economic trends. Uh, their jobs are highly susceptible to economic trends. They boom bust with the with the economy, and um, and that makes uh, that makes an entire class of people move up and down from middle class to lower middle class to you know to to poverty scale and back up into lower middle class and middle class. There's no stability there, and if we formalized education processes and the systems uh within these certain groups so not just trades but food service and and 
gave people the ability to move from one to the other with ease. So, you know what? I think I'm done with food service. I'm, I would like to go and, and get into the trades and be able to move into an, an education program that would move them into an apprentice program while continuing their education and getting them paid as quickly as possible. That could change things considerably. But we don't value education. We don't value education. The idea of education for all, you know, like free education yeah. for all, you know, well, that's a socialist idea and I don't need, I don't need to go to college. Okay. So don't go to college. But how about we continue, you know, an educational track or keep doors open for, for people so that this segment of the so population aren't moving right. up and down the economic right. scale right. volatilely. That's what I think. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a that is a lot. That's a, that's a very uh, big system that we would we need to look at changing. But I think in order to change any of the systems that you know we're we're looking at to change, the biggest system that we can change and have control of is our own selves. Yeah, it's the only it's the only place where we, we can, where we, we actually control. can affect change. Yep is is our is ourselves and you know the um the choices that that we have as well too and you know i i feel that um when we talk about when we talk about choice i feel that uh that you know there's a certain part of our population that feels that everybody has a choice and then there's there's certain part of the population that feels that they don't have a choice. And I think, you know, I think um, I think you and I were talking about that on how choice determines the outcome, but not everyone has a choice to the circumstance. Nobody really. I mean, you're we, pretty but limited. We, on... But we do have a choice to how we respond to our circumstance. Yeah, right. That's really where 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 you're. That's kind of where free will stops, if you think about it. I mean, yeah, I can I can choose to go into a specific field and I can choose to do this, but there are always factors out there that are limiting oh, totally. the choice, right? You know, but you're everybody comes up against something that they didn't have a choice in. You know, they got involved in a car accident and they didn't see it coming. They, you know, they they um they had uh, a death of a loved one. There are definitely things that happen to us that we didn't choose. The only thing we really actually do have choice over is how we choose to respond to it. Right. Well, and then also there's there's um, certain people that are born into um, the privilege to where the choices come easier. And there are people who are born without the opportunity to have access to those easy choices. Sure. More doors are open for them. They can, you right. know. The idea of $100,000 of debt in order to pay for a PhD isn't that big of a deal because it's dropping a pan. Right. You know, for like, some people. Yeah. Right. And, and for some, you know, some other people, it's like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. There's no way they, they could do that. And so when people talk about the fact that, oh, everybody has a choice, it's, it's a choice for them to be poor. It's a choice for them to be this, to do that or whatever it is. It's like, are you serious? Yeah. Are you really serious now? But again, that's a perspective that certain individuals will come from. Certainly. And when we acknowledge that and we know that, yes, 
people have choice and sometimes people have access to easier choices. Sometimes people don't have as easy access to choices. I think every, I, whoever we're, we're talking to or we're trying to explain this concept, I think it's important that everybody that is involved also mindfully listens that they can if they follow aloha ask inquire listen observe lead with their heart Mm -hmm. to acceptance and adaptability of difference that we'll be able to see that everybody needs something differently in order to not only survive in our society but thrive and i think that's where equity comes in that's equity that is that's equity yep right boom Boom, baby. Yeah, I think equity is is providing the tools so that people can make the choice mm-hmm. to um, and be able to make that choice to um, explore other opportunities. You know, this I, this manifest destiny idea that we have, you know, of of well, everybody everybody has opportunity. Anybody can pull themselves up from the bootstraps. Mm-hmm. Mm, well, I mean, you know, we took a risk. We, we took a big risk. I mean, I'm 47 years old. You're 53 years old. Um, um, I mean, we're, both, we're carrying a debt of education in this household that we took on after, you know, in our midlife. Yep. There's a risk. Yep. And you've got to assess that. You've got to assess, all right, is this worth it? Is this worth it? Because I'm going to have to pay this back. Mm-hmm. Um, so how am I going to do that? Well, it's like, it's like a business startup. Right, it is. It's like it's like it's like. Well, I'm going to go and start a business. Okay, well, good for you. You have to invest in that business. You, yeah, yeah. Time or money or both, you know. Right. But right. And and so, um, yeah. So, not everybody has that, or feels like they have the tools or are equipped to have that opportunity. Um, you know, they they and they don't. I mean, I think it's just. Um... It's being able to, in order for in, in order for for us, I feel to move forward and have have conversations in these very um, complex ways is is to be able to be comfortable with uh, sitting in in the ambiguity. I think it's uh, being able to engage in conversations. Um, but first, really asking yourself questions of consequence, you know, I think um, I think it takes a lot of ebbing and flowing in between between ideas and practices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and sometimes it's going to be rough. Sometimes it's going to be easy. Sometimes it's going to be like, well, I don't know what you know, what I mean, unknown, you know, I mean, it's like I think it's just being able to be OK with the ebb and flow of life and and dedicating yourself to the process and dedicating yourself to the process because there is a process yep. face the fear yep. see the disguises right exactly you know utilize the methods to center oneself mm-hmm. choices the ideas of you know um, not holding on to outcomes and letting go of things mm-hmm. yeah all right well, let's wrap this up. Um, this was a good conversation. Yeah, it was, sweetheart. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining the uh, Plowline podcast. Check us out on 
um, Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Um, as well as YouTube. As well as YouTube. As Everything can be found at, at Plowline. Plow Line. I was saying that. I was saying at Plowline. <laughs> yes, you can, you can check us out at, um, at Plowline, and we look forward to talking with you again. See you, everybody.